Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. Hey, today we've got a really interesting couple of episodes coming at you. And uh, Gavin and I talk about um, some ideas of when you're in kind of a deep, dark place or a painful place, uh, how do you get through that? Um, how do you know when to continue to fight and when to stop and cut bait? So we've titled this When to Hold, When to Fold. And what we really mean by that is how did we get through some of the things that we got through in our life, life experiences, both professionally as well as personally, relationships, kids, whatever it might be. So I think you'll find some really interesting nuggets here. So uh, listen up. Hi, Devin. Sam, how are you? I, I'm, I'm doing really well. That smile and grin on your face scares <laughs> me to death. Man, it's, it scares everybody. Does it's it? just... Yeah. It's midweek jubilation. Is if if uh, if I'd grown up with you and I saw that, I would either run or go telling you one of the two. <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to see my mom tomorrow, and uh, she she'd be and, able to and, tell and, you that and that. Where, and where is that? In Montana, yeah, which is just north of Dallas. For our listeners that don't know, about a day and a half. <laughs> uh, but I going to see mom tomorrow. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen yeah. her, and she's not doing her well. So, but she would be able to tell you that that smirk on my face generally it's, means that. There's, you know, I'm up to no good. It means that uh, more questions should be asked. Or no questions should be asked. No <laughs> <laughs> As you get older, it's definitely the no questions. Yeah. So uh, this is, so for those of you that are listening, you're, I'm hoping you're probably listening to this in recent times of when we're producing this, but it's winter time. And so it is winter time back home for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking earlier and you told me it's a little bit cool up there. Is that correct? You know, Oddly enough, it's actually pretty unseasonably warm oh, really? this time of year. You know, normally my parents are in the southeast part of the state. Like we grew up in the north central part, you know, about five and a half hours, six hours away from where my parents live now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd get down to 40, 50 below zero, including the wind chill factor. Wow. I mean, nasty, nasty cold. And where they are now in the southeast part of the state, it doesn't get as cold generally, mm -hmm. but boy, it can become windy. Yeah. And That's what we're talking about. What'd you say the winds were? Uh, be tomorrow? Tomorrow's supposed to be sustained 40, like gusts between 50 and 60. And so, you know, at some point in time, that airplane that we're flying on has to land. Sounds real comfortable. You know, it, it, it doesn't. And for me, you know, some of our listeners or viewers know that I spent a lot of years jumping out of airplanes and, yeah. you know, people would say, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And I'm like, well, then you haven't been in when many Air when Force when airplanes, right? I start saying when so, you're in the military and they yeah. shove you out. So a lot of times, you know, I would rather take my chances with a parachute on my back than, than that aircraft going wheels down. But, uh, you know, commercial airliner, you're like, this should be good. But I don't think there's anything good about landing in a, in a it's, 50 It's going to be bumpy either way. Yeah. And I'm not a pilot, but I know enough. You know, I, I, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. So I, I have enough knowledge on, on aircraft to know that it's going to be a, a sucky landing tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which leads to the question, if something happened to pilot, could you take over? I could make all kinds of, um, take all kinds of decisive action. None of which would lead, which would lead to a positive outcome, but <laughs> it, I would do it with it confidence. Would I would death. do it with authority. I would make everybody on that airplane believe that I knew what I was doing right up until the point where we hit the ground at about 600 knots. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's something to that. Yeah. But at least they died, you know, content. I'm so, I'm sure everyone's really, really glad that we're talking about this right now. <laughs> yeah. So if especially you're on flight 474 tomorrow, you might want to, you might want to rebook. And especially uh, people that are already a little bit uh, cautious of airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll move on. Absolutely. So we, uh, we have an interesting subject today, so let's get, let's get cracking. You know, mm. Yeah. It'll be a fun one. So the idea behind this is, uh, I think we were labeling this when to hold and when to fold. And 
in our series of talking about um, personal growth, this is something that was near and dear to my heart um, probably 15 years ago. And it's caused me to really reflect a lot on myself and how I made decisions and how I make decisions now. And the concept of this is, is when you're going through adversity and we all go through it and we have different levels of adversity, but when we're going through adversity, when do we know, at what point in time do we know to hang on and just keep plugging and keep plugging and keep plugging and keep plugging versus when do we, as we say in the South, fishing cup, you know, fishing cup bait. Mm -hmm. Right. So when does that happen? And what are some times that we've both been through? We have plenty of examples uh, when we we've both been through adversity and kind of came to the point where I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know. I don't see a good outcome ending here um, and either still plugging away and it going well or deciding at some point in time that it's done. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you said about 15 years ago, cause I'm about 15 years younger than you. Um, just another, you. I, the, the obligatory age reference don't, on our podcast that I think years. is going to, I think is going to become a thing, but yeah. you know, this last year for me was, and, and you know, this, you, you had a front seat to it as one of the biggest, if not the biggest growth year of my life. Right? right. I would say personally and professionally. And, um, so it's interesting that you, that you say that And on this topic and this conversation about when to hold on and when to let go, I don't know if there's a more nuanced topic that we've talked about. I, I totally agree. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of people, we're going to cause a lot of people to think about mm -hmm. some things in their life, past and present, even future. Yeah. And, and I think even us, as we reflect back on things where we said that we maybe let go, yeah. right? There were probably things had we known better, had we had the wisdom that we have now, maybe we would have held on to it longer or conversely, maybe we would have let go sooner right. than, than we did. So, you know, it's, I think this is one of those topics that is so nuanced and so relative to the individual and your circumstances that we're going to try to speak in terms of black and white, right. but man, this is a great topic. It is. How gray? Charcoal. Charcoal. Like your shirt. Thank you. Charcoal gray. So getting back off topic for a second. So I knew we were going to do this today. And the first shirt that I pulled off the rack had, was a really busy shirt. I'm like, oh, that may not look good for video. And so I pulled another shirt off and I had it on and it's about to walk out the door and I looked down and went, this one's even worse. So I, I went to the only gray shirt that I really have that buttons down. Can you give us a, a visual representation of this busy shirt? Because I, the only, I think, busy suit that I've ever, or busy attire I've seen you in is that, is one of the suits that you have. It's, it's like, so it's it, pretty it was, cool color. It was a couple of my mizzen and mains. Uh. And uh, so one was white and it has all these little patterns and dots they look like um, feathers, but they're not. But it's really busy. So I did a, uh, I shot a video one time for a company. <laughs> I told you this. Uh -huh. And I wore a shirt, and it was just, it was busy. And they, it looked like my shirt was electric on video. Yeah. I mean, literally, it looked like it was moving around. And you just, you can't edit that out. So yeah, like the last thing you want to do is like give somebody an epileptic seizure when they're trying to watch your podcast. You know, it's, you know? It's, we're hard enough to look at much less <laughs> yeah, definitely. being distracted by that. I've right? said it for, for years. I've got a face made for radio, baby. You do. And, but it's a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we back on topic. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. So I, th I think one of the things that I look back in my life and think about what are some really down times? Um, and I've had several in my life, but 
I think the one professionally that I look back on the most and that probably had the biggest impact on me was we had the big downturn in 2007. And so those of you that listen um, or those of you that are new, we were, I'm in the healthcare business, so we write uh, software for acute care hospitals. And typically up to that point, um, the economy could go either hot or cold. And for the most part, healthcare is somewhat stable. Um, and behind that is people are always sick, right? Uh, but in 2007, we saw something that we had never seen before. And that was the realization that so much of revenue for hospitals comes from outpatient procedures. So what outpatient procedures would be is elective. So a lot of people have elective surgeries, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, my, my arteries aren't stopped up and I've have, got to have a, a bypass or a stent and there's no choice I have. These are ones where I've had this bother me and I really need to get this done, right? Or I need to get checked for this or a colonoscopy or whatever it may be. So in 2007, uh, when the housing market tanked, things got really weird really quick. And this market that I was in and that had been told throughout my career that was pretty stable became very unstable. And um, it went south pretty quick. And things started happening where I think it was uh, in two weeks' time, I had calls with probably 15 hospitals that we were expecting purchase orders from in the next four to six months. And every single one of them said, we're going to have to back off. And uh, that was a tough two weeks um, because you begin to count on the next call. Well, maybe the next one. And you do and you get the same message. And so you start thinking very quickly and – when that happens, you start panicking and panic is never a good thing. In fact, we talked about this, I think yeah. on, on one of our last episodes, panic is never a good thing. Uh, but panic set in and you say, okay, what do we need to do to survive? And so you start doing some things and you go through and you do some layoffs and you cut some expenses and all the things that you should do. Then you try to look at, boy, at some point in time, we've got to raise some funds, Right. And I was a type where we didn't go out and get external funding. We bootstrapped just about everything, which is good and bad. Mm -hmm. But um, I was left at a point in time where we didn't know that we were going to make it, having trouble, or we're going to make payroll. Fortunately, never missed a payroll check. But there were days where we were expecting checks in that morning to make payroll that night. And I think everybody that's been in business for themselves has been through that, Mm -hmm. right? That's it's not normal, but it's tough times. And usually it happens at the beginning when they're starting the business off. But this is, we were pretty far in. We were probably seven years, eight years in, and we were pretty well, stable. On a pretty good growth trajectory we as were. well until, we were, until, until that happened. Event, yeah. And it, it, you know, it, it caused a lot of anxiety for me, probably more so than I'd ever experienced in my life of I'm alone. It's just me. I've got to figure this out. Um, you know, do you tell the troops what's going on? Um, and make them fearful for their jobs and now you lose productivity or do you just put it on your shoulders and deal with it and figure it out? And so that's kind of what I decided to do was just put it on my shoulders and figure it out. You know, looking back, knowing what I know now, I would do some things very different. Um, With the number one thing being that my mindset would be different than it was then. Um, You know, there were two things I needed then. I needed answers but more than that, I look back and what I really needed was a good swift kick in the butt. And, 
you know, that's the one thing that I regret is having someone in my life that I could go to that was a mentor that could say, hey, here's some options for you. Oh, and by the way, while you're walking out the door, I'm going to stick my foot up your butt. Get out there and make it happen. And, you know, I think for me, that was the first time in a long time, probably since high school, that I felt sorry for myself. Oh, wow. And um, things go through your mind like, okay, if this fails, what am I going to do? And I got to tell you, you know, doing something where it was just me, driving a truck, you know, anything sounded great at the time. And it was, it was something that I could go to work for somebody else. I wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. And then I stopped and thought, okay, that's true, Tim. You could do that. But is there going to be a point in time in your life where you're going to regret not pushing through this? And, um, and that's when I said, okay, it's time to make some hard decisions. And had to make some that some, looking back, some were good, some not so good. But we made it through. And I know for me it was about perseverance and knowing that, okay, I know that if we get through six months or eight months of this, that if we keep plugging, that eventually it's going to get better. And we're just going to try to make it happen, and we're going to go hand to mouth until then, right? And, uh, and we did. And so I got to tell you, though, there was many, many days where bailing looked like a really, really, really good option because it, it, was, it, would, it would have, in my mind at the time, it would have taken the pain away quickly. And I think that's part of what we do is when we get uncomfortable and are in pain, whether that pain is financial, um, personal, relationship. And the first thing we think is, how do we, how do we get out of this? I don't want to feel this anymore. And um, after going through what I went through in 2007, you know, what I learned from that is sometimes the pain is the best thing to go through. And dealing with that, I don't think we'd be where we are today if it wouldn't have been for what took place in 2007. I know that we hire different. I know that we manage different. We look at people differently. Um, and it, it really changed me on how I manage. Um, and so I, you know, I look back, and that was a turning point in my life professionally that I know I'll never forget. And there's been several examples personally too. But So tell me about, have you dealt with something like that before? Have you gone through situations like oh, that? Yeah. I know being military, you dealt with it quite sure, a bit. Yeah. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that too, but it's, you know, it's so easy to make the right decision when things are going well, right? We never learn about the true measure of our character in, in positive situations, right? And you can go through those axioms of, you know, the growth comes in the struggle and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it really, it's funny how in those moments, it really distills down to the fight or flight mode, right? right. You, it, it really boils down to self-preservation. And, you know, you thinking that you go from an owner of a company to driving a truck, you know, people that know you now, that's unfathomable, mm -hmm. right? But people that know you now didn't go through what you went through in right. that economic downturn where you're not having to worry about just Tim Elliott, but you have a family. Right. And on top of your immediate family, you have a work family right. that you have some deep level of responsibility towards and their family to make sure that that, that their needs are being met in, in some regard, right? right? So, you know, for me... You know, you go all the way back to my childhood, you know, like I didn't have the best family unit growing up and there were times where it was better and there were times that it was worse. But, you know, all I ever knew for the first 35 years of my life, Tim, was was moving forward right. one foot in front of the other. Right. Get through this situation because there has to be better times ahead. Right. And so 
you know, growing up like that and, you know, without, you know, with the absence of a, of a, you know, strong father figure and with being raised by my mom and, you know, all the situations that came along with that is again, you're just, you're looking for the next thing. And right. a negative byproduct of that is, is a tendency to hold on to relationships or things for too long because I didn't have this. Now I have it. Now I want to hold on to it right. until it goes stale and dies and you should have let it go right. a long time ago. And then you couple that with the fact that, you know, I, I joined the military and, you know, I made a decision when I joined the military that, you know, I want to go be an army ranger. And so there's a multi-step tryout process for lack of better words in this, you know, you go to basic training in Fort Benning, you know, and you start with X amount and there's, there's a level of attrition. Certainly there's not as many people at the end as there are at the beginning. Right. But it's one foot in front of the other and failure is not an option. Right. The only success is defined at the end state, right? Right. Is when I graduate this. And then you go from that to airborne school. And we teaches you to jump out of airplanes and, and not get hurt or die in the process. And there's even less people at the end of that tryout phase. But again, like there becomes when you couple how I was raised with the pride in my accomplishments which I didn't have a lot of that growing up. Like, so you start to become a byproduct of those accomplishments, right? Like right. the only outcome for me is success in this moment because I want to be better than I was yesterday. And then you go to the Ranger indoctrination program, you know, and I think we graduated, I think the number is like 67 out of 289 or something like wow. that. You know, there was wow. a lot of kids that started and not a lot of kids that finished. And what gets you through something like that is nothing but grit, perseverance, and pushing forward, hanging on to the fact that this is going to get better. Right. You know, and then I got sent to the Ranger Regiment and I loved it. It was part of who I was. So again, it was, I wanted to do anything I could to hang on to that, right. Yeah. To hang on to that feeling, to hang on to those accomplishments. And then you start leading other young kids that way too. So you kind of start encompassing that same level of leadership and we'll get to more of this conversation later, but when to advance them and sometimes when to learn to let them go, mm -hmm. which becomes exceedingly hard. But then as I started to progress through life, you know, again, it was, if I, I had a girlfriend and it was a toxic relationship, I didn't know how to let it go. Right. Right. And that progressed towards later on in life. And, you know, the, the story about, you know, Kristen and I is I, I didn't, I didn't know how to let go, you know, mm -hmm. and I had to learn later on in life, like when it was appropriate and when it was healthier for me to let something go because it was so damn hard in a, at a level that I didn't even understand mm -hmm. until I was about 40 years old. Yeah. So back to, I had a question. It was, it was, I wonder if you had some of the same thoughts that I did. Now, when, when you were in ranger school and every day was a tough day, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, literally every day is you're being tested physically, emotionally, cognitively, the whole bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, you go to bed that night and the only thing you can hope for is to make it till tomorrow morning. Right. And yeah. then you wake up tomorrow morning and things hit the fan again. And all you can think about is if I can get through today, if I can make it through and if I can strive to be successful today, I can only think about today, tomorrow it'll be there. And if I can just make today, get a night, get a decent night's sleep and wake up and I can face tomorrow. And I think there's that hope, that we mm -hmm. have. And I, I think you and I have talked about this on a podcast before, but now I think one of the things that, that um, I look at people that are successful and what, what's one of the one traits that I see in them that is consistent. And that is they all have hope and they all are excited about tomorrow. 
and the opportunities and what tomorrow looks like. I'm excited for what could be next week. I'm excited for what could be next month. And that's what keeps us going during those really dark, painful times is looking forward to tomorrow. For me, that was the only thing that got me through it was, you know, if I looked at the whole of a year from now or six months, how am I going to do this? I have no idea. I don't think, I don't know that I can do it, Mm -hmm. but I know this, I know I can do everything possible today that I can do and go to bed tonight at some point in time and get some rest and get up tomorrow and do it again and try it again. And at some point in time, it has to get better. Well, I think it becomes about finding the small victories and sometimes a, a big macro victory is hard to see, but you know, when, when you're in the swamps of, of Florida mm-hmm. in, in uh, ranger school, it's funny how much better a dry pair of socks will make you feel <laughs> how much it's better, the little things, right? You know, uh, a, a package of Skittles from your MRE would make you feel better. Right. And right. in the grand scheme of things, it's like, it's, it's a dry pair of socks, but until you don't have that dry pair of socks, right. until you don't have that food in your belly, right. it's hard to appreciate the positivity that comes from a small victory. Yeah. And and I've got such a, a kind of a goofy view on, on the word hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, is the way that I was raised is that, you know, you, when you're younger, you hope to have a specific set of circumstances, right. Mm-hmm. And you, you start to look for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then when that next thing isn't there, your hope can start to wane. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned to do is be the creator of my own circumstances, right. Mm-hmm. To put, to, to stop hoping for a better day mm-hmm. and start creating a better day. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nuances of that conversation, but, but, you know, it kind of goes back to the podcast that we were talking about before and, and taking control of your thoughts and taking control of your emotions and creating your own version of hope instead right. of waiting for something to get better, creating circumstances that help make the next day better, right. that help make the next pair of dry socks even better. Right. Right. You know, I, I, I know we, we've talked about this before too, but you know, the idea of a mentor, the idea mm-hmm. of having someone out there that's preferably older, that's been through stuff before. And, um, when you get to those points where I don't know what to do next, I'm lost to be able to sit down with someone and talk through it. And for them to not necessarily, they won't have the answers for you, but allow you to think differently and ask you some questions literally could be the difference between success and failure for you. Oh, absolutely. And I know, you know, in my life now, I have lots of people around me that I can go to and go, okay, I'm really struggling with something. I'm deep in this. What do I do? And, and we've talked about this before too. If it's a personal thing, Hey, we highly recommend counselors, therapists. I know you and I have both been to those, continue to go through those. Uh, someone that you can talk through that. And you know what? Those guys and, and girls are so good at not telling you what to do, but asking you the questions that make you realize what it is. Because when we say it, we own it, right? If they tell us, it's just one more bullet point. But um, you know, when, when things are dire, having someone that you can talk through, talk to and through those situations really can make a big difference. And somebody that doesn't provide an echo chamber, right? Somebody that, that loves you enough and cares about you enough to challenge your assumptions and your preconceived notions on that situation. And I think the world needs more of that. And, you know, I want to dive more into that on the next step, on the next part of this. And I think we should just make this a continuation and wrap this thing up now and just pick up where we left off here in a couple yeah. of minutes, give our, our listeners and our viewers a bit of a break. But, um, yeah, perfect. you know, again, go to uh, Bobblehead.
um, on Instagram, right, mm-hmm. and on Facebook, and you know, check us out there and give us a give us a like and a thumbs up and a tweet and a retweet and all that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> let's continue the conversation there. But Tim, I really like where this is going, man. I'm looking forward to the next part of it. I do too. Let's tweet about it. Let's tweet about it. Let's do it. Thanks.